What's up, guys? We're going to choose podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter. Here joined by Raheel Ramzanali of NTV Houston. Raheel, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me back on. I think this is my third tour of duty with you, right? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. And the last time I had you on the show was July of last year. This is when the Rockets first entered the NBA bubble in Orlando. So a calendar year's worth of stuff has transpired since then. Mm -hmm. Houston is in a totally different phase of their franchise life cycle now. Uh, As a proud Daryl Morey and James Harden skeptic, I can't even imagine what was running through your head when (laughs) when the foundation was just falling apart. Like, let, let me run through the timeline here real quick. So Maury steps down in late October. Westbrook asked to be traded in mid-November. And then Harden follows up a few days later with a trade request of his own. Then Tad Brown steps down in April of this year. Like one of the most shocking press conferences I've ever been to, by the way. And it's like right up there with like Harden coming back from training camp from Las Vegas, like that that hiatus he went on. Like that's a lot of stuff in 12 months. Like I'm not even sure most of Rockets fans have had the time to catch their breath and process all this. Like where, where what's this year been like to witness for you? Man, it's been incredible because it was such a solid foundation. But that's the thing in the NBA, the solid foundation can crack at any minute and it's going to start shifting and there's going to be things moving. Your furniture is moving inside. Your door is not closing correctly, right? Because it just takes one shift and all of a sudden you are in the upside down. You are now in the rebuilding process. So it was it was a matter of time, honestly. The, the way the franchise has been moving at such a healthy way, right? You think back from the James Harden trade, right? The initial trade that got him here until the timeline you just laid out It was such a healthy organization in terms of winning, revenue, all-star appearances, coming close. It was all great. But in sports, it's all cyclical. Like You are going to have to pay the piper at some point and things are going to go bad. There's rare franchises that will remain strong no matter what, right? The San Antonio Spurs had a great run, but look at them now. They've missed the playoffs how many times, right? Uh, Then you start looking at... The uh, let's go up uh, in the NFL, right? The, the Patriots. Patriots. Yeah. That's the great one, right? Like, look how great they've been. And you lose something, the foundation shifts. Eventually, it's going to catch up to you. It's just time now for the Houston Rockets. But the way you laid it out, it's fascinating, man. Like, it, it, it all just came to a head at the right time in terms of everything collapsing. Yeah, I didn't even mention. I, I just re- remembered Mike D'Antoni stepped away mm-hmm. too. <laughs> like that's every step of the organization is brand new now. Uh, it, it's it's incredible. Like, and you mentioned how stable they were since the James Harden trade. You can even go further back from like when Maury first got the job. Like, it's been pretty stable since then. They've been moving in a healthy direction, and now it's just. It's it's completely brand new. Uh, we're, we're having to reevaluate everything we know about this team, uh, taking a lot of new information. It, it's 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 different territory. It's different yeah. territory. It and is, I, man. Yeah, and I should probably ask you, what have you thought of this new regime? Because the Rockets have a new CEO in Gretchen Shear, a new general manager in Rafael Stone, a new head coach in Steven Silas, and if things go smoothly, which is like a big if, as we just talked about. All of these new names and faces are going to be in our lives for the next five years. Like, what do you think of their new leadership right now? 
I love it so far. I, I absolutely love it, right? Like from the hiring of Steven Silas, who came here thinking he's going to have Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and it was going to be all great. P.J. Tucker was there at the time as well. We forgot about that piece. P.J. Tucker, who wins a championship. Congratulations to him. Where do you go to school, Salman? Tell me. Yeah, uh, yeah he went University to Texas. Texas yeah. That's what I'm talking about. But no, I love it. Like, I love the move of Steven Silas. I love what Rafael Stone is doing in terms of rebuilding this team and getting guys. And I know we're going to spend some time talking about some of the younger guys, but he, he has a way of drafting guys. He wants guys that have played in other leagues, that have competed against grown-ass men, and they've proven something already in different leagues, right? Like, he has an eye for that, and I love that. Like, he has a way to build teams, and he's sticking to it. He's not panicking. He's not making a Russell Westbrook trade like Daryl Morey did after Chris Paul couldn't get it done with James Harden, right? He's not making those drastic moves. He's not bringing in, um, oh, man, why am I blanking on the point guard from Denver? Uh, Ty Lawson. Ty Lawson. He's not doing a Ty Lawson move, right? As of right now, he's sticking to a way to rebuild a team, and I like that. And I think from a fan's perspective, you should be excited. Now, the next question is going to be, how long does Steven Silas last? And not not from a losing standpoint, from a Steven Silas standpoint, right? Because let's say next year it's another rebuild year and, you know, there's some exciting wins, there's some growth. That's awesome. Cool. House money. The following year, if it happens again and you're not getting you're not getting into that playoff conversation, you're not in that 10 to 8 seed range, then that kind of beats down on a coach who is, you know, who, who thinks he's better than this, right? And he needs more talent. He needs more veteran guys. Does he say something and go, you know what? I'd rather take my chances somewhere else and get an open job with more veteran guys. So will he leave the team, right? That's my big worry because I love Steven Silas. I think uh, he has a wealth of experience. I know you've talked about it a ton. I think he's a great basketball mind. I think he has a great pedigree, all that stuff. But from a personal standpoint, how much of this can he take? Because this is a rebuild. Unfortunately, rebuilds do take more than one year. Now, sometimes you get lucky and you make a run for the playoffs if you're in the East, but this is going to be a pretty long rebuild. And that's where it gets a little weird in terms of this this uh, current administration, like what will happen. And I think Rafael Stone's going to be here for a while. Uh, I think Tillman and Rafael have a good relationship, and I think he has a plan. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah, the the only thing I worry about with Steven is he doesn't have the pedigree to walk away, right? Like Mike D'Antoni can walk away and get another job tomorrow. Steven Silas, yeah, he's been around the NBA for a long time. He's not going to get a head coaching job right away if he walks away. Think, I think there's so many guys that are getting jobs now that don't have pedigrees. Why wouldn't he either, right? Like I know this rebuild will be on his resume, but because of what you just mentioned, he's been around the NBA for so long. I think people know the hand that he was dealt. Like, do you think he even takes his job if the James Harden, Russell Westbrook drama happened before his interview, right? Like they already say, hey, we want out, right? Because he got here because Westbrook vouched for him, others vouched for him, and everyone wanted him here. And then the pieces started to fall, and now he's stuck with the rebuild situation. And I think around the NBA, everyone will recognize that. So we'll see what happens, but that's just one thing to worry about. I don't know if it happens, but that's the one thing because I love Steven Silas and I think if he sticks it out and I think this team is going to be pretty good I like they will be getting getting big wins I think they will be in the playoff conversation next year not this upcoming season but the following year so two years um so let's see what happens because we've seen him when he has healthy players 
this team can roll. It doesn't matter if you don't have James Harden, but this team can roll if you're healthy. Yeah, one thing I think that was interesting about last season is no coach in the NBA got a bigger benefit of the doubt than Steven Silas, right? Like last year was his hall pass, right? He could do whatever the hell he want. Everybody was going to give him sympathy because it was a tough situation to walk into with your two-star players demanding trades right away and getting hit with a barrage of injuries midseason. So like you're going to get the benefit of the doubt. But next season, like, like you can tell when a when a coach is going to be elite when they overperform with underwhelming talent, right? Like that's always a signature sign of like an elite head coach. Like if if you have the talent of like a twenty win team, but you can get them to like thirty five wins, right? Like that's that tells you right there, like there's something special here. Brad Stevens was a guy who did that in Boston early on, and that's how we knew he was going to be an awesome coach. So yeah. it's it's going to be interesting to see what he does next season. Um. You were a Jalen Green guy, right? Or was there someone else you wanted Houston to take at number two? No, I loved Jalen Green because I, I watched a lot of Kate Cunningham being uh, a Big Twelve basketball guy. I watched, I love watching college hoops, so I saw Kate Cunningham do what he did, and he was a phenomenal player. I, I just he never popped for me, right? Like he would always in the second half get going, and you would see those numbers, right? His second half numbers were incredible, and there is something to that. Like he can turn it on when he wants, right? But watching him, I was like, I, you know, I'm not sold on him because I, I, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be a game changer. And then I started watching more of the guys uh, and especially the Ignite, right? Because you had Jalen uh, Green on there. You had Kaminga on there. So watching those two and I went in with literally no information, right? I, like I didn't even – I'll be honest with you. I didn't know what number Jalen Green was wearing. I, <laughs> I just – I went in blind because I wanted to see who would pop, right? And of course, those two popped right away. And then just seeing Jalen Green operate without the ball, this is something that we talked about uh, privately. When he doesn't have the ball, he, he he's not a dead player. And what I mean by that is he's not just standing there. He's not just hiding in the corner. He's still doing stuff. He's still active. He's still getting the work done that he needs to on that offensive flow, setting the screens, making the backdoor cuts, all that stuff. And I think that is rare for a young guy with that much talent who wants the ball in his hands. Now, he can be great with the ball in his hands. We saw in, in summer league action, he was fantastic and, and all the numbers and all the hype. And I know it, it was fun to watch that. But it, it, it's so cool to see a young guy operate within the offense. And I think that's going to be important because he's not going to get the bulk of the shots when he walks in to the Rockets game one. He's not. Like, he might be the third option. He might be the fourth option sometimes. And the fact that he's willing to do the other stuff without the ball made me really happy to see that with the Ignite because it was a similar situation. Like He might not get the ball sometimes, but he was cool operating. So uh, I love Jalen Green. I think he has this it factor about him off the court as well as we've seen in the interviews, in the trolling t-shirts, all that stuff. I, I think the Rockets made the right pick and, and this young dynamic core is going to be something special. Yeah, one of the most impressive things I saw at Summer League was that game against Detroit, right, where he starts off the first quarter with three turnovers. He's getting blitzed in the pick and roll. He he's getting like he, he's getting lost. He's flustered, right? He doesn't know what to do. Then the the following three quarters, he lets the game come to him, and he does a lot of that off the ball stuff that we talked about. Right, he curls around screens to get open jumpers. He cuts to get to the free throw line. And like all that stuff matters. All that stuff keeps you valuable as an offensive player without the basketball. It keeps defenders on it. And I wrote about Green today and I wanted to to talk about him because the Rockets are obviously super high on him. 
Rafael Stone doesn't want to say it out loud because he doesn't want to place those kinds of expectations on a 19-year-old, but they think he's going to be a star in the NBA. And it's not hard to see why they think that, right? Like he projects to be a high-level efficient scorer at the NBA level. And those guys are extremely valuable in the playoffs and hard to find. And he even carries himself like that off the court, as you said. Uh, I was an Evan Mobley guy, and a big reason for that is because I think while Green and Mobley may end up being similar level players, I think Mobley was more versatile. And at this point, it doesn't matter what I think because the Rockets took Green, which again, I don't hate the pick. I completely understand why they took him. But now that they have him, if he hits his apex version of himself, they have to quickly start to think about how they're going to rebuild around him. And I think that starts with finding a strong playmaker to put next to him on offense because I think... I like Green as more of a secondary playmaker type, kind kind of like how the Suns paired Chris Paul with Devin Booker in Phoenix. Like yeah. Houston can find that guy via trade, free agency, draft, or even player development. Now you may be thinking, like, what do you mean by player development? Well, it's possible they already have that guy in Kevin Porter Jr. Like Porter is a much more natural playmaker than Green, and while he's still relatively unproven, I'd like to see how he plays next to Green next year. Like I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch uh what's your assessment of green like am i way off base there and thinking in in how i think about him as a basketball player no not at all not at all i think um you, we don't know what happens in nba free agency and nba off seasons right you just don't know like dame dame lillard could be traded next year or he could demand a trade and the reports we saw so many reports already with dame nothing got done right but who knows what well, Bradley Beal might want out next year, right? Um, and I know you're talking about more of a point guard who can really get that offense going, create create for Jalen Green, be a veteran there, all that. We don't know what's going to open up, right? So that I agree with. And, and that's something I said. And I, I got into a really heated argument about this with somebody. I said, you, you don't know, but you do know that you have a nice core here, right? And, of course, the Suns are fresh on our mind. They were a team that missed the playoffs. You saw the talent that they had. They just needed that one piece to ignite everything, right, to get that fire going, and all of a sudden they're in the finals. So that is the the freshest comparison we have. But then at the same time, there's other teams out there that have these young pieces, and they never go anywhere, right, because they never get that veteran. So what happens then? So I, I got into this argument. I said, I think the Rockets will make the playoffs in two years. And I said, if they get – one of these veteran guards that are not happy in year three, I think they make a deep run. I think they win a series or I think they win two series because that's a deep run for me uh, in three years because of the talent that I see and I'm just projecting it out. I think this core is going to be special because you've got everything you're looking for. You've got two scores actually in KPJ and in Jalen Green. And of course, we'll see how he does against real NBA competition. I think you've got some stud defenders. I think you've got pieces like Jayshon Tate, that you need on a team that that needs to make that run, that will be a playoff team eventually, but won't put up you know 18 points a game. They're, they're happy just putting up 10 a game and playing some really good defense and make you know and being part of that process and not taking away from the superstar guys. So I think you've got some of that. I don't know what happens with Christian Wood. I don't know what happens. Yeah, you know, I'm not counting Eric Gordon, of course, or John Wall in this, but I'm just talking about this nucleus. You've got something there, and especially if you've got three or four guys, you're in you're in a good position, and I agree with you. I think this could be really good. 
At Vanguard, we know that this is more than just a retirement plan. This is your cappuccino date in Italy, the beach house with the matching bicycles. It's your rental car down memory lane and weekends reuniting with friends from over the years. This is the future you imagined, and we're here to help you build it. Because at Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. Yeah, and they also have to try and surround him with as many good defensive players as they can because that's not a strong suit of his. Like That's why I, I love Houston selecting Usman Garuba at 23, and I've come around to Houston selecting Josh Christopher at 24. Like If Garuba and Christopher can, can be top-shelf defenders in the NBA, those are nice guys to pair with Green long-term. Like I think having Jay Sean Tate on his rookie deal is really beneficial to Houston, as you mentioned. Like. And I, I think I really like their young core, core overall. Like, I was, I was a big Shangoon guy. I was a big Garuba guy. And it's going to be interesting to see how these guys all meld together. Like, is there... What are your thoughts on Shangoon, by the way? I, 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 I forgot to put that in this rundown. I like it. I'm excited about him. I think, uh, again, you look at what he did in the Turkish League, right? And I know the competition isn't the same and all that. And it's not, it's not top-tier competition. But being 19... And putting up the numbers that he did, winning most valuable player, putting up 19 points a game, I believe that's what it was. Um, That's the progression you want to see. Like for a 19-year-old, again, this is a 19-year-old kid, okay, putting up those kind of numbers. And we saw in the next step of his competition in the G League, you uh, you see some of the G League summer play against better competition. He can still hang. And I think there's you got to improve on the strength. I think the jumper you need to shoot with more confidence, even though it's there. Then you got to shoot with more confidence. The passing is there. I think the rebounding, you got to be a little bit more explosive. But these are things that he can work on. He's 19 years old. So I do like that pick a lot. And I think you need guys like that again, right? Because we keep talking about the Suns because that's the freshest one uh, on our minds. And this might be, you know, blasphemy to say this, but this reminds me more of Oklahoma City. Right when you look back, what the Thunder did, of course, they had one of the greatest players of all time in Kevin Durant. But the, talking about a young nucleus with great role players that are also young and they all develop together, it reminds me more of that as opposed to you know one stud and a bunch of role players. So we'll see what happens. But having guys like Shingun, having uh, of course Jalen Green, and then you add everyone from last year, I think this is a recipe for something really good. Yeah, and I, I owe Shangoon an apology, by the way. I've been pronouncing his name Sangoon on the past few podcasts. And I've I, heard and both. I've heard Sangoon, yeah. Shangoon. Uh, I think it's how cultured you are. Like, I just wanted to see, like, whoa, is this guy Turkish? That's why I said it's Shangoon. But it, yeah. I think it's Sangoon is also, it, it's acceptable. But I'm more cultured than you, that's why. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I just have to correct that, man, because people get my name wrong all the time. People I know regularly and talk to all the time can't yeah. get my name right. So I <laughs> can I give you a funny name story. Go ahead. So uh, you and I know about this league. So I play in a basketball league. You've played in this before. This is like amongst our friends, right? So I have this kid on my team, Azil. Okay, that's how you pronounce his name. For the last two and a half years, I've been calling him Azil, Azil everything and we are six games into a league and this like this kid literally talks to me every time i see him we've played multiple times it's this isn't the first time i've met him so long he came up to me in at a halftime of our third game this weekend he goes hey by the way my name is pronounced azil not azil azil and i was like oh this is awkward but i you know i played off i was like i'm gonna call you what i want okay i'm the veteran on this team 
You go get buckets. That's it. That's your job. I'll call you whatatever I want. So yeah, that is just a little name and, story. And you you can tell that that was festering for him because he told Yo, you at, at halftime. At halftime. <laughs> he told me at halftime of a game, and he and he felt embarrassed telling me. And I was like, oh my bad. And then afterwards, I was like, how do you pronounce your name again? And I had to get his brother to pronounce it. Everybody. So I just gave him a nickname. I just called him all day now. His nickname <laughs> is all day because he gets buckets all day. Yeah, it works. Listen, if if you can't get the name right, call him a nickname. And if Go he's with okay with it, if he's okay with it, that's fine. Um, let's 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 end with the fun stuff because I want to talk about Jalen Green, the person. Because if things work out well for him, he's also going to be in our lives for the next five years. Uh, he definitely made one hell of a first impression with the silver suit that he wore on draft night with the bell bottoms and. I think what got underplayed is what he wore the next day at Houston's media availability. Like he wore like a sumo wrestler type garb mixed with like a suit and a black belt. And like that was by far the most bizarre thing I've ever seen a player wear to a media availability. And I got to see James Harden like up close for the past two or two or three years and the stuff he's worn to NBA games. So I've seen my fair share of unique outfits. Like what do we think of his fashion sense and like his overall quirky personality? I, I think his fashion sense, and I'm a fashion guy. I love the way the players dress. I, I'm, you know, I'm fashion forward as well. I love it because it, it reminds me of his game. Like he takes risks. Okay, he's not afraid to take risks. He's not afraid to go for that big dunk. But at the same time, he covers the basics. Right? He's like, hey, the color scheme has to match. That means I'm doing the stuff off the ball. So I think it reflects a lot of his game. And I love it. Like, give me, give me a guy with a personality who puts, you know, who puts that bullseye on his back. In that interview, him talking about he didn't even want to go to Detroit. He wanted to be a number one pick. But we're going to talk about that. We're going to yeah. talk about that. Yes, like, I can't I wait to that. talk about. I this. love a guy who puts the target on his back because you know he's going to work and he's he's going to try to defend the crown as much as possible. So I like that about him, and I love the fashion sense. I love it. Be you. Like be undeniably you, and uh, I love that about James Harden. I love I love it about Westbrook, a- another superstar we saw in the city of Houston, and DeAndre Hopkins. I love that. Like do you, man? Because if that if, if that means you're that comfortable, that means you're going to be even more comfortable on the court, in my opinion. He's got the scrunched up short shorts too that he wears at games, and he's got the the hair. Like it, it, he's he's going to be really fascinating to cover off the court. Uh, I can't wait. Um, so I have in big letters written down on my notes here: Jalen Green versus the city of Detroit. So <laughs> Jalen Green sits down with Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports and talks about how while he wanted to be the number one overall pick, he didn't want to go to Detroit, and he thought Houston was better was the better city for him, and. This part's hilarious. Like he goes on to compare the city of Detroit to the G League bubble. Like just the most <laughs> random drive-by shooting I've ever seen of an NBA city since Joakim Noah crapped on the city of Cleveland. Like it, now I don't think he's actually been to the city of Detroit for a long period of time. He went he obviously went there for that workout with Detroit, but by all accounts like Detroit's actually a pretty cool city and I definitely think it's firmly in that middle of the pack of NBA cities. Like it may not be LA, Miami, New York, Brooklyn, Phoenix, Houston, or Atlanta. Like those are like the top top cities that all the NBA players live at and live out in the off season. But it's definitely not in that bottom tier. Like it's I think Ooh, this, I think it's bottom tier. Really, I, I think Detroit is way bottom tier. Like I think it's the the bottom five off the top of my head. Okay, I would say Sacramento. I would go with Detroit, and I know LeBron went there, and this is great, and 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 the kid came home, and Akron, and all that. 
I wouldn't want to live in Cleveland either. So let, let me tell let me tell yeah. you about the cities you passed up on. You okay. passed up on Charlotte. You passed up on Charlotte. Okay, okay. that's four. That's four. Okay. Okay, that's four. So we have one more spot to fill. Milwaukee. Yes. Okay. I, I'm okay. I'll hold Milwaukee in a in a placeholder right now because I've gone to uh, Green Bay, which is 45 minutes north, I believe, of Milwaukee, north or south. I don't know which way it is, but it's right. You have to drive through Milwaukee. And making that drive during the cold, it's one of the most miserable things. It gets dark at 3.30 in Milwaukee and most all those states up there. So uh, Milwaukee is a good one as well. What what else did I leave off? So Memphis gets a pass because they have the I food. think Memphis is kind of cool. Yeah, Me- yeah Memphis yeah. looks kind of cool. Yeah, so I, that, no, I think that's fair. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. But I don't think it's in that bot. Okay, so did we name five cities or, did, or was Detroit yeah, de- included? So Detroit, Sacramento, Cleveland, Milwaukee. And uh, what was the fifth one you just said? You you just brought up one. I'm blanking already. But yeah, we did say five. We did say five. Utah? Ooh, Salt Lake City. Ooh, who are we kicking out? Detroit. Like, no, I don't, I don't I think you're that. <laughs> I would kick out Milwaukee. Did you watch the Malice in the Palace documentary? Okay. What, what does that have to do with the city of Detroit? <laughs> Current day Detroit has a lot to do with 14 years ago. Okay. The people, that's why. No, I don't want anything to do with Detroit. I, I don't know. Like, what's the best thing to come out of Detroit? Eminem? Ben Wallace? No. Eminem is, Eminem, Eminem is way more important than Ben Wallace or Rashid Wallace. Okay, it's a questionable decision right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, all right, it was a random. It was so random. Like, why even say anything? But again, I love that. I love that about this kid. Like, he is undeniably Jalen Green. He does not care. And maybe one day it's gonna bite him. Right? It's gonna bite him in the butt. We don't know. But as of right now, for being a young guy who has this it factor, I loved it. I, I absolutely adore it. And I think that's what I like that in my superstars. Yeah, I, I think this burgeoning feud he's having with Pistons fans is hilarious. Like this city, th- that city has every right to hate his guts right now. Like yes, just like yeah. Rockets fans had every right to hate Chandler Parsons when he called the city of Houston dirty compared to Dallas. Like he, Detroit fans have that same right. But I think there are some people off put by the fact that he's, he keeps talking about this, right? He, he, he keeps talking about how he should have gone number one. Like my dad's actually one of those people. Like it doesn't matter to me. But I could easily see how he becomes a polarizing figure in the NBA. Yeah. And, and you know that whole like, oh, they passed on me thing? That works more if it's like 10 teams or more, right? Like if you're the 13th pick and you go, all, oh, 12 other teams passed on me and I knew it, I'm going to have a chip on my shoulder every time I play those 12 teams. That's great. When, it's, when you're the number two pick, that's still a great accomplishment and you only hold it against one team. That doesn't – like to me, that's not as cool. Right, like, like Kate never... better be a bust for that to work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like they're gonna regret taking uh, Kate Cunningham. Well, you're the number two pick. You can only hold a grudge against one team. Yeah, I mean, and it, it also works better when you're doing it retrospectively, right? Like this guy hasn't played a game yet. Like, <laughs> yeah. like Draymond Green can remember the 45 teams that that, that passed up on him, right? But he can do that seven years into his career while he's firmly in his prime and leading Golden State to multiple championships, right? Yeah, like. Like Jalen Green hasn't played a game yet, so like I, on one hand, I can understand it. On the other hand, I do, I do think it's hilarious. I think it's really, really funny. I can't wait to. I hope both these players are great. So like this rivalry that they build together is it is even better. Agreed.
Yeah. Um, let's end on this. Like, big picture, how are you feeling about the direction of the team? Like, do you feel like it's in good hands with Rafael Stone? Like, do you like the the young nucleus? Like, in August of 2021, how are you feeling about this team? Encouraged, jaded, hopeful, discouraged, whatever. I, I am uh, feeling very encouraged. I am excited about this. I, I had fun watching that core, even when they were injured last year. Even in those last like 15 games, it was rough to watch, but I, I liked watching it, right? Because I like seeing – I think it's more fun to look at a team and go, man, I think this team is going to be really good in three years and predict it, right? Project out and say these guys are going to be good. So I enjoy that a little bit more, and I had fun watching it last year. I think there's going to be some stretches where it's going to be hard to watch in terms of wins, but I think there's going to be exciting stuff all the time. I'm, I'm very high on this team. Like as I mentioned – I think they make I think they make the playoffs in two years. So this season is going to be a rebuild season. And then the following year, I think this core will make the playoffs. And then I think in three years, if you find somebody else who knows what happens, I think they make a deep run. I'm I'm very excited. Um, I think Rafael Stone has a plan in place and he knows how he's going to rebuild this team and, and add people. So I like that as well. Um, but overall, like I'm positive. I would, I want to just backtrack real quickly if we have some time. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, the one I got, uh, Ali Khan, one of our mutual friends, Rockets Insider, uh, he lit me up on this opinion and I backed it up and I still believe this. I still think you should have kept Karis Levert. Um, I, think, I do too. Yeah, yeah. Like I love Karis Levert's game. I think he can score on all three levels. Um, I think he has something about him. Like we just talked about with Jalen Green. I love his game. I've been watching him for a while, and and I just thought that, man, I know to rebuild, you can't have guys like that, right? Because there's just, for whatever reason, you can't. Um, but I wish he was part of this team. I think that was the one move that I would have done differently. But, you know, otherwise, what can you do, right? Like, I'm not happy with the way you got back with James Harden, right? But at the end of the day, you gave James Harden the ultimate thank you for everything you did. We'll get you to the team that you want, even though we don't have to. Right. But we're going to do it out of respect for everything you did and out of respect for any future player that wants to be a free agent and sign here. They'll know that we are a team or excuse me, a player first organization. And that even when you are publicly roasting us, we're still going to give you the benefit of the doubt and make you happy. So I understand all that. I wish they would have gotten more back, blah, blah, blah. But I am happy about this team. I think they drafted correctly and I'm excited. Yeah. And that whole, you know, the Karis Levert thing is funny because it's like, I hear Rockets fans talk about this all the time. They're like, oh, one side effect of taking the Brooklyn deal was that they became so bad. I'm like, were they trying to be that bad? They traded for Victor Oladipo, right? Like, they, they intended to be good. And an, under, an unintended consequence of the Victor Oladipo thing work, not working out was that they ended up being really, really bad. I don't think that was by intention, mm. yeah, right? Yeah, that's like, a good point. Yeah, I got, and like you can praise the James Harden trade by all means. If you think those Brooklyn picks are going to be awesome, like go ahead and, and say that. I don't think you can start by saying if we do, if you don't do this trade, we don't get Jalen Green. That's not how that works. Like that's not how how far they were thinking out. They, no, they, they, I don't. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think they were thinking that far out either. And I think a lot of place or a lot of pieces fell into place for Jalen Green to eventually get here. And and who knows? It, it all works out, right? And it might all work out. But let's say this doesn't work out. Let's say both of us are, are or I'm wrong on Jalen Green. And let's say Mobley was the right guy or, you know, none of these guys turn out to be OK. Then we'll look back and go, oh, my God, what did we, what happened here? Why did they do this trade? What was what were they thinking? And now the Nets, that core Kevin Durant's going to be there for another four years, right? Four, yeah. plus, four or five. 
Um, so you've got that as well. And he's the best player on the planet when it comes to scoring and just changing a game like uh, incredibly on the offensive side. They're they're probably not going to be tanking, right? Like they're not going to have bad picks. So you might have gotten screwed there. But again, I think in the long term, it's more of a thank you, James, for everything you did. And also future free agents. Look, look, even in the worst situation, we had the players back. So maybe that will pay dividends. Who knows? Yeah, I'm going to save the Brooklyn talk for a future podcast because yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's possible that the Rockets have, uh, not at the Rockets, the Nets have more extensions coming down the pipeline before the season starts. And oh. if that happens, like they're, I just, I'd rather save it for another day, right? Yeah, it's um, a, a more heartache, uh, heartaching day. Yeah. Um, but as far as the Harden trade overall, like it's done, it's it's over with, and like we, like we can talk about what this team is now, what the assets they have now, the players they have now, the nucleus they have now, the infrastructure they have now, right? Completely new faces, new new organization, and it is going to be fascinating to see what direction they go in. And for their sake, I, I do hope they are good by twenty twenty four because they have those picks conveying to Oklahoma City. Don't forget, like those picks are still owed to Oklahoma City. Yes, they're lightly protected, but. You know, like if they're if they're like lottery picks that they're giving up, like that's that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt really bad. Absolutely. And and I want to say something. Okay, I want to address something you casually threw in there to start this interview. You said as a James Harden and Daryl Morey skeptic, (laughs) you must be feeling great. And let me tell you, Salman, I feel great. I told you so. I told you. I told you. But no, it, it. you know what? It, it all it all's gonna work out, and it's a wild ending to a fun ride. It was cool covering those teams, man. It was yeah. it was awesome, right? Um, and, and a couple of missteps are gonna happen. Unfortunately, those missteps were really franchise changing missteps, and now we'll see if they can rebound from all of that and and get a get get it going again and be back in the playoffs because I sure do miss watching them in the playoffs. It's a lot more fun when your hometown is in there. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Rahil. Uh, I love having you on the show. Where can we find your work in social media? Yeah, absolutely. Find me on Instagram at Rahil Doing Things. Uh, if you just search my name, R-A-H-E-E-L, it'll be one of the first accounts that comes up. I'm on Twitter a lot more, just posting random stuff, having fun. And you'll see all of my work uh, with all the companies that I work with and outlets. I publish it there as well. So just follow me on those two sites. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the support. Yeah, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Give us five stars if you haven't already. It really helps people find the show. Um, and yeah, yeah, guys, I'll talk to you down the road.